Creative Babble. Brandy Hall, a Florida firefighter, disappeared the night of August 17, 2006. Thirteen years later, police got a new lead. You could just sense the hope and the desperation in Brandy Hall's mother's voice. I want to find out who did this to her, and justice will be done. Hall's mother, along with a private investigator, an anthropologist, and specially trained dogs, have canvassed different areas that might yield clues. That anthropologist was Dr. Arpad Voss. But what the local television reporter didn't mention was that Voss was using the quantum oscillator to find her. Using Brandy's mother's DNA, the oscillator led investigators to a plot of land. Once they got there, the cadaver dogs confirmed the hit. Brandy Hall must be buried here somewhere. And we essentially dug in the ground in hopes of finding Brandy's remains. That's the voice of Sergeant Jeff Spears with the Palm Bay Police Department. Based on the cadaver dogs and what indication they gave us, as well as a ground-penetrating radar, there was some reason to believe that there could, been, or could have been some disturbed area underground. And so we dug that area that we thought that there might be something there, and unfortunately we did not locate any human remains. Dr. Voss's machine led police on a wild goose chase. I'm Javier Leva, and this is Pretend. Stories about real people pretending to be someone else. Picture this, a foggy evening, the whisper of secrets in the air, and an invitation to step back into the glamorous and mysterious 1920s. That's the backdrop of June's Journey, the game that's been keeping me glued to my phone lately. Instead of doom scrolling on social media, I am actually playing the part of June Parker, a daring detective with a personal mission to solve her sister's murder. And let me tell you, it is a roller coaster of emotions and puzzles. What's to love? Well, first of all, the thrill of hunting for hidden objects. I'm a sucker for these kinds of games. It's kind of like those books that we grew up with, but with a storyline that keeps thickening. Plus, the game takes place in New York to Paris, uncovering clues of scandalous family secrets that make you feel like a real detective. If you're ready for a dose of mystery, romance, and the glamour of the 1920s, June's Journey is waiting for you. Download it for free on iOS and Android, and let's see who cracks the case first. I was hired by the mother. She just wanted answers to put some some of these things to bed to rest, to get closure, closure for the family. So we we basically in any of our cold cases, we started from the beginning. You know, we went through as if it was just a brand new investigation. The Brandy Hall case was a well-known case down in Florida. Any new development sparked public interest. And that's how some of the people got involved. And that's how I got involved with Dr. Voss. And this group reached out and said, hey, do you care if we tag along? I'm going to pay for this individual to come down and he's got a machine that thinks he can help possibly locate 
any type of decomposition mass. You know, they, they kind of explained it, tried to explain it scientifically, but didn't explain his machine, just said he's a well-known, pronounced professor. So, which I looked him up and, you know, his curriculum vitae, like it, it was, you know, outstanding, something that you would do. And of course, I was like, sure, you know, I didn't really look into him. Like I said earlier, this was a massive search with metal detectors, cadaver dogs, even drones flying overhead. I'm looking for anything, any type of evidence that would link any type of link to her that she may have been moved, anything. The mother of Brandy is out there. Everything is running like clockwork until this happened. This group says, OK, we need to take the mother. And I, her, her mother, Debbie, we, we always try to be very, very protective of her, you know, not so that she's taken advantage of or anything like that. So it was a little weird that they said nobody else can go with Debbie. It's got to be Dr. Voss and the driver. And they put her in a van. And I was like, wait, what's going on? Where are you guys going? Where are you driving? And, uh, you know, I didn't get a lot of answers. And Debbie was just like, just let me see what's going on. I got my cell phone. If I need you, I'll call you. And they they took off. <laughs> so I was very uneasy about that. I seen Dr. Voss in the front of the van and they had the news media out there, but he did not want to be photographed or anything. He had his jacket up around his head. He had his jacket around his device. A reporter with Florida Today wrote about the quantum oscillator. He said, quote, the contraption made up of plywood PVC piping, a funnel and copper tape resembled a zoosical contraption the Grinch might use to shoot presents back under the Christmas tree. In all fairness, this was an earlier prototype of the gizmo. If you want to see what the device looks like now, check out the link in my show notes. He unscrewed the oil funnel cup off the bottom. It had a screen in there. They took some fingernail clippings from her and put it in there. And Dr. Voss just basically tried to briefly explain it to her that the field from the crystals that were in the machine into the electromagnetic from her DNA and fingerprints, it's going to match. Dr. Voss and Brandy Hall's mother take off in a van in the direction of the quantum oscillator's ping. He was sticking his machine out the window of a moving van. He had his hand in his arm with his machine out the, the window of a moving van. 30 minutes go by. And they come over the radio where we're in the field with the cadaver dogs. They found Brandy. They found Brandy. They got her body. And, you know, everybody's like, what? what's going on? I get in the car and I race to where they're at. Debbie's telling me the coordinates. It's a, a park, a park that wasn't there when Brandy went missing. But it's now a park after the fact that she's been missing uh, a city park. I get out and I start trying to locate Debbie. I don't see her. And they're like, they're, they're in the woods uh, right down there. And they pointed. And I said, OK, I'm going to go with Debbie. And they're like, no, 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 no. They've, they've asked that the family or only be the only ones there, you know, that they're having closure and she's really upset. And, you know, they don't want anybody else down there. You know, this is that moment. And I was like, no, you know, if anything, this is a crime scene now. It's going to be treated as such. You're saying, hey, this is a crime scene. At this point, you're thinking we should get law enforcement here, right? Right, right. Yeah. You know, me being prior law enforcement myself and and dealing with cases like this and cold cases, that was one of the things, you know, I was like thinking the next steps. OK, this is what we got to do under the assumption that they're out there right now. They've made it out that there's a body out there. You know, there's I'm thinking, you know, skeletal remains, you know, after this long and they're not letting anybody go back there. And they just got the mother back there. And I went straight out there and rummaging through the woods. I go out there and I see Debbie on her knees and she's got like a makeshift, looks like a kid's toy shovel, like what you use at the beach. And she's frantically digging in the soil. And I'm like, that Debbie, what are you, what are you doing? Like I, I get her up. I like, you can't, can't do this. And at that time I, I start to see the individual that was Dr. Voss and stuff. 
they start walking away. And I'm like, whoa, 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 what's going on? And this is the time I get to see Dr. Voss up front. You know, he's not saying anything. He's trying to still shield his his face from me, you know, which I'm, I'm like, what's going on? <laughs> that that to me was just absurd. You know, I'm, was I'm the media the, there at that? No, point? no, it was just me. I, I had rushed past, you know, and, and it was a group that was in the van with her. And he's still trying to, to cover his face and all that. And I get a glimpse of how his, is he covering his face? straight? Like, I'm he, he just takes curious. His jacket up and he's, you know, he's he's trying to do like this and, and trying to tuck his machine underneath his jacket. That, that's it, very bizarre. Yeah. Under yeah. any and, under any circumstances. Right. Yes. So and, and I get a glimpse of his machine. And it's, you know, got in uh, two antennas off of it. And it's got looks like an upside down oil funnel at the bottom and a couple wires dangling. It looked like dowels that you, you're doing doweling for water that that's essentially what it looked like was there a body when you got there no there was nothing visually seen police ended up coming out there you know i felt kind of like an idiot because there's nothing and the cops are kind of looking at me at this point dr voss and everybody else just abandons me it's just me and debbie standing out there and they abandon us and go and they're like oh dr voss is going to get to the airport he's got another scene that he's got to go to and, and he's rushed off and everybody just leaves us and essentially police were like okay they, they met us out there a couple days later the detective of the scene debbie was so adamant hey they said he was she was here you know we we've got to dig the areas that they marked we dug six feet down, i mean down you know intensive labor several holes didn't find remotely anything soil wasn't disturbed you know we digging down we're looking at the layers of the soil and stuff like that nothing nothing had been changed there was, there was no body she essentially was right back to where she started from. And, you know, it was a day wasted for us and the day that we were actually doing the search in the field of other groups and law enforcement agencies and stuff like that, because everybody got pulled off because of Dr. Voss. There were people all over the state that had came for resources to do this. And, you know, and then all of a sudden everybody just kind of stops what they're doing because, oh, they found her body, you know, and they're screaming that. Well, you talk about the drain on resources from law enforcement to you, your time and everybody's time. People from across the street are coming looking for the supposed body digging. That's minuscule compared to the the hope that Debbie had that day, right? Like you painted this picture of of this mom making a shovel out of whatever she found around her and trying to find her daughter. She had pulled a shovel that somebody had left out in the playground in a sandbox. I mean, it was just, you know, it wasn't even a regular shovel that you would be using. And, and, and it was disheartening. That was the most disheartening. You know, we can always go out there another day and search. And we have since. But just, just in general, I mean, she was so adamant that she was going to find Brandy and, and have some closure that day. And we, then we were going to move forward. And, I mean, that was just crushed. And, and it was played upon. And I feel like she was preyed upon by Dr. Voss. Let's just say Nick Sandberg thought the quantum oscillator was a bit questionable. It, it was just it was just odd and disturbing. You, you get that gut feeling, you know, as a previous investigator and an investigator now as a private investigator, you, you get that gut feeling that just something's not right. It's just not sitting there. And I, I said, I said, well, Debbie, I said, isn't that kind of contradictive? Like it's searching for its own DNA to match back up its own wavelength frequency but you're sitting in the van right behind him. Wouldn't it be pointing towards you? <laughs> kind of looked at me right. and, you know, <laughs> I said, essentially, I said, I think he would take a sample from you and then try to get you as far away and then try to go and, and, and look. So, and she, she didn't have an answer. I didn't have an answer. 
Renee Ebersole is a reporter who wrote a piece on Arpad Voss for Mother Jones magazine. Justice is never served from using junk science. Ebersole told me that she first learned about Arpad Voss from William Bass, the famous forensic anthropologist and creator of The Body Farm. It was actually Bill Bass who started The Body Farm years and years ago, had told me about one of his students named Arpad Voss. And that he thought that Arpad was really great, that he was up and coming. He was doing some really exciting work with VOCs, volatile organic compounds. So like the smell of death. And so I had reached out to Arpad Bas because I was in the area and I told him that I would like to learn about what he was doing. And he started telling me about his inventions. Renee Ebersole's beat is science reporting. And naturally, she was curious about Dr. Bas's work. I'd been talking to Dr. Voss about his quantum oscillator for, you know, more than a year before going to attend that class. I was interested in how things were taught at the Forensic Academy, but I was I was primarily there to attend the week that Arpad Voss teaches. And during that week, he spent some time talking about his invention and also using dowsing rods. He didn't spend the whole time talking about those things. He he d- talked about a lot of other things, but we only just looked at that one particular topic because the use of dowsing rods, divining rods, no peer-reviewed research has shown that they can work, even for finding water, which is what they're better known for. Well, people at the Forensic Academy called him brilliant and a genius. Like everyone there seemed to really think that he was a very smart, very talented scientist, but the scientist that I interviewed and I heard from before I was even interested in in doing this story were telling me this guy is there's you know this guy is not right. Something is not right about what he's doing. He's teaching these techniques that aren't scientific. He's giving families false hope. And those were things that I were I was hearing long before I ever attended the academy. Yeah, I wouldn't have gone there just for the purpose of doing some sort of oddball story. I'm, you know, witching. This is, I'm a science writer. I'd heard from scientists that this was something that was pretty off. Some might call him wacky, others brilliant. But despite the criticism, some say Arpad Voss was sometimes going down the right path. I asked Renee Ebersole about the Labrador. Lightweight analyzer for buried remains and decomposition odor recognition. That's the acronym for the device that claims that it can mimic a cadaver dog's ability to detect human decomposition. And from what people told me, he was possibly really even on to something with that work. There is such a thing as the smell of death. Back when he was doing this sort of thing, I think he was he was on the right path. And that's what scientists told me anyway. This almost reminds me of Elizabeth Holmes, who founded the blood testing company Thernos. Holmes claimed that her company could perform blood tests with just a few drops of blood. Gone are the days of painful needles and getting your blood drawn. It's a brilliant idea if it were actually true. Maybe Elizabeth Holmes was onto something, but in the end, she kept up the charades and was eventually charged and convicted of fraud. But back to Arpad Voss. Most of his inventions center around the smell of death. The chemicals in human decomposition. It's known as volatile organic compounds. VOCs, as you'll hear some people call it, are gases emitted from certain solids. Think of formaldehyde. You know, that new car smell? You know, everyone knows dogs have a great nose. But there is another animal that's even better at detecting death. The housefly. 
Yes, the fly is extremely sensitive to smell. Some estimates say that they can spot a corpse within 15 minutes after death. Flies are they're attracted to the smell of death very quickly. They're always the first animals to arrive at a corpse. That's when he got a brilliant idea. You know, put the idea of putting transmitters on flies, that's kind of interesting. But apparently, our pet told me that the birds had eaten his his trackers on the flies. The birds had eaten eaten the flies, so that wasn't working out so well. You might think putting a transmitter on a fly is ridiculous, but there are other common forensic investigating techniques that you might think are legit, but are actually junk science. Scientific techniques that have been debunked recently. Things like blood spatter, bite mark analysis tool marks and footprints, all these pattern analysis have been, a lot of them have been debunked in the last couple of decades, really. DNA evidence is showing that a lot of these techniques are not trustworthy. And the root of that problem is forensics, you know, used by law enforcement is often developed and taught by law enforcement. A lot of these techniques were not developed in scientific institutions, at universities, by experts. They were things that law enforcement agents over time developed based on that principle that every every touch leaves a trace, trace evidence. Now, in terms of using the dousing rods, that's something that if it's being taught in a school, the officers in the field may try to use it as a tool, as they said. It may take time away from other more valid techniques that they could be using at a gravesite. You know, it may misdirect things. Come on, Leva. Why are you wasting our time with this stuff? No serious law enforcement agency would ever use dowsing rods or the quantum oscillator in their investigation. And even if they did, that evidence would never be admissible in court, right? Ah, but au contraire, dowsing rods have been used in court. And on a very famous case, too, you may have heard of Tara Grinstead on a little podcast called Up and Vanished. Tara Grinstead was last seen heading home from a barbecue with friends. We don't have any leads. For two years, I dedicated every day to this case, searching for the truth. This is the trailer for the hit podcast, Up and Vanished with Payne Lindsay. Tara Grinstead was a teacher in uh, Georgia who had also been a beauty queen, and she went missing many years ago, and it was a cold case for a very long time. And then I guess just recently, within the last couple of years, they got some leads in the case and they started investigating. Todd Crosby a Georgia Bureau of Investigation agent who also happened to take Dr. Voss's forensic course, testified in 2019 at Bo Duke's trial and told the jury that he used dowsing rods to narrow down the location where investigators matched Grinstead's DNA to bone fragments recovered in an area where Bo Duke said that he and his friend had burned her body. And Todd Crosby was on the scene of the location where reportedly her body was found. And he apparently had the the dowsing rods at that location. And he presented testimony at Bo Duke's trial about how he used those dowsing rods. Over here, 
over the course of, of your time as a GBI an agent and a crime scene analyst, have you used this technique multiple times? Numerous times. Uh, and how many times did you say this? <laughs> oh, more than 50. The GBI agent pulls out a pair of witching rods. Right. Now, um, have you brought some things with you here today to demonstrate the, the technique that you're speaking of? At your request, yes, sir. These rods, y'all, are nothing more than clothes hangers. It's just metal rods. He stands up and walks over to the jury to demonstrate how the rods work. Whenever you're walking, you want them to swing freely. And then in the bag there on the table, there's a box uh, that's had bones in it. It's deer bones. Uh, it's just teeth from a deer, a uh, couple of small bones that have broken off of the deer. The dowsing rods work like a charm. Every time he walks over the bag of deer bones, the rods cross. This is Eric Bartlink, a professor at Chico State University in California and co-director of the Human Identification Lab. Here's his take on the Tara Grinstead case. They were looking for her body in burn piles. What are the rods doing? Like, you're going to see a burn pile and go towards it. So to me, like, your, your eyes were just fine in locating a, a burn, you know, burn remains. If you ever watched like Ghost Hunters or uh, those Bigfoot shows, it's it's like that kind of stuff. Uh, using a dowsing rod, can't find bodies. They can't find water. What, why would you be using these rods? Like it just, it's just absolutely silly. I asked Eric Bartlink, a scientist whose job is to locate and recover missing persons and also analyze and identify their remains, what he thinks of Arpod Voss and his unorthodox approach to science. Everyone in my field, we just laugh at that. But it actually has some pretty serious consequences because he's claiming to find things that are not there. And he's also extremely manipulative with families. Like in my field, you don't go to families and offer your services. Uh, law enforcement come to you to request your services and you work on behalf of them in support of the case they're investigating. And so he's, a, I feel like exploiting families and their grief with fictitious information. You should read some of these headlines about some of the cases involving our pod boss. Quote, wife finally learns the fate of her missing husband. Another one reads, potential new lead in a cold case. Reading these headlines, you would believe that they found the body. But oftentimes, Voss is claiming to find traces of volatile organic compounds. Not the same thing. They tell the media that they found human remains. And so you'll find a story saying that Kirsten uh, Modafferi's remains were found or remains were found at, at this house, but no remains were found. There was absolutely nothing there. What do you think about a, a bold claim that this quantum oscillator, you know, not only could find clandestine grave sites, but it could actually determine your ethnicity. Dr. Voss's claim, one of his claims was that he could identify with this machine the ethnicity, the Caucasian, African-American, Asian, just by seeing the vibration of the bone. That sounds very simple, like a very surefire way. You know, you point at something, you get an answer, right? And what you described was something very complicated, right? The idea that this like quantum oscillator or whatever machine could possibly determine these differences is absolutely ludicrous. I mean, it's just not possible. Uh, he's gotten on the helicopters and he was waving this thing outside of helicopters. I mean, come on. <laughs> this technology does not exist. 
Eric Bartling tells me that it's hard enough determining the age and sex with physical evidence. How in the world can Voss claim that he could do that with a widget filled with fingernail clippings from 60 miles away? I'm sorry, if you had some great technology, we would love you. And if you, you share that technology and made it available, we, people would love you. So let's talk about this. Our pod Voss did receive a U.S. patent for the quantum oscillator. If you read the patent, it doesn't describe a grave detecting machine. No, it actually reads like a fancy metal detector. The patent claims that this invention can identify explosives, narcotics, and can even help in locating rare materials. The use of fingernail clippings as a means to detect or locate missing people or their remains is not mentioned in the patent. It's not until you start reading his marketing material that this gadget goes full Ghostbusters. Here's the thing. From my understanding, the claims being made in the patent are based on well-understood principles of quantum mechanics and physics. However, it starts breaking down when applied in the real world. Plenty of scientists have chimed in, and they say that in order for this to work as promised, it would have to overcome some pretty big engineering and material science challenges. In other words, while theoretically valid, the quantum oscillator needs to be looked at a lot closer. This quantum oscillator, it's the sort of idea that you name something as using some kind of fancy gibberish to make it sound like it's scientific, and then you create, try to patent it using really uh, confusing schematics and stuff like that, because then you can say it's under patent, when really it's, a, it's just a dowsing rod in a box that he's uh, charging people a lot of money for. And you'll see that he's gone through various iterations of these junk devices. One was called like Labrador. And then at some point that, that uh, you know, that gets discontinued and he's got a new thing and then a new thing. So uh, he's created multiple types of garbage instruments that don't really do anything. They don't do anything at all, but they're, they're, he's claiming that they can detect bodies, but they're all really just a dowsing rod. So there, there's been a couple of pathways that people have taken in their field. One is like, okay, he's a quack, just ignore him, he'll go away. And the other people who are actually very concerned, I fall into the category of very concerned because in addition to harming families, giving them false hope and false information, leading investigators down the wrong paths on missing persons cases, there's a lot more harm involved in it. One of the things they would do is search an area where a person could have gone missing and find some kind of animal poop, so coyote scat, bear scat, and then chemically test it and say that they could detect the DNA of the victim in there. And so then you could tell a family, well, we found evidence that they're deceased. In one case involving Arpod Voss, a death certificate was issued because he claims he found volatile organic compounds two miles away from where the hiker went missing. That was enough to declare the hiker dead and for the courts to issue a death certificate. When you develop new techniques, you publish them in journals, peer-reviewed journals. They go through a rigorous process. People validate those. Laboratories try to uh, incorporate the validated technology into their accreditation schemes for their laboratories. There's a, none of that is happening. He claims he's like some world-renowned forensic anthropologist. He's not even a member of the American Academy of Forensic Sciences. He's not a board forensic anthropologist through the American Board of Forensic Anthropology. He is not a member of any scientific organization because scientific organizations can sanction people. They can bring you up on, on ethics charges and things like that. 
because he's not a member of anything, nobody can bring him up on anything. I reached out to our pod boss, and after much back and forth, he agreed to an interview. He wrote me, Javier, when would be a good time to chat? I responded right away, and I didn't hear back. Then I shot him another email. This time, I got a reply. He wrote, okay, so after talking to the lawyers who might be dealing with the defamation liable lawsuit regarding this issue, I have decided to bow out. Since your podcast is, quote, about con artists, which I am not, going on your show would imply that I am a con artist and I would be spending all my time trying to prove that I was not. The article I wrote, which was peer-reviewed, indicates that the technology is sound and correct as proven by people I have helped over the last 15 plus years. If you have specific technology questions, I would be happy to answer them via email, unquote. So I shot him a list of questions. I asked, have there ever been any empirical tests or experiments conducted to validate the effectiveness of this technology? And he wrote, yes, five different groups are currently working on that. I later asked him to elaborate, who are these groups? Are they scientists? Are they friends? He never got back to me on the follow-up question. My next question was, can you provide data or the results from any trial, experiments, or demonstrations that illustrate the device's capabilities? He said, yes, refer to table one in the paper. He referred me to a paper that makes all kinds of claims. But the problem is, he is the author of the paper and the results and the field testing experiments appear to be done by him. Then I asked him, has this technology been independently tested or verified by other scientists or engineers? He said, yes, peers and practitioners in the field, many who have radio frequency electromagnetic knowledge and experience. But again, who are these people? What's the big secret? I think it's just another sign of his, you know, a deception here. He's not willing to allow his, his any of his information to be evaluated in a scientific fashion, the way that everything is supposed to be done. You're supposed to make all that, that information available to the public and to peers through reports. Never, We're just supposed to take his exactly. word for it, right? And we don't do that in forensics. I asked him, is there a possibility for a third-party researcher to replicate the test and verify the results? He said, eventually, sure. I asked him if he plans to validate his research with other academic institutions, and he responded, not at this time. If you have something that works, publish it, show that it works, you let it get validated. Otherwise, you are considered snake oil, snake oil salesman. I asked Eric Bartlink to read the paper Arpod Voss sent me, and here's what he had to say about the journal it was published in. All right, so this is a journal that I've never heard of. You pay money and they'll publish whatever you want. Because there's no author here, right? It just shows him. Yes, it's, right? it's as if he is the author. It's not a um, well-known journal. I've never even heard of it. And I, I peer review for like 20 different journals. It sure sounds official, right? International Journal of Forensic Science and Research. It's so funny because, I mean, you would think that if you would Google this, it would pop it's up, right? Science. Yeah. So a lot of these these predatory journals, they come up with titles that um, that sound a lot like another journal. We eventually found the journal and it appears to be a brand new journal. And get this, they only have two articles listed, Dr. Voss's paper and another one. The publisher appears to be owned by a predatory publisher. It's uh, a black box with nothing in it. <laughs> in, my, in my opinion, I, I think it's just smoke and mirrors and that technology doesn't exist. His livelihood is dependent on the, these uh, pseudoscientific technologies, the charging families, 
which I find highly unethical. I asked Arpad Voss what he thinks of all this criticism. He said, anyone who says that this technology is junk is completely ignorant and has no knowledge of antenna theory, physics, electromagnetic waves, radio or resonance frequencies. He goes on and on and on. All of which are used in development of this technology. Rather than sit in an armchair and say that this doesn't work, why don't they come out in the field with me and search for missing people? They might get some idea of how difficult this is and how useful this technology could be. What if our pod Voss is right? What if this technology does work? I ask Eric Bartlink to just imagine, just for a second, if this technology did work. If this claim were true, that the quantum oscillator could detect DNA from your fingernail clippings, right? You put it into this machine and it could like, from 60 miles away, could detect your great-grandfather's grave. What would you compare that to in terms of the greatest innovations ever invented by man? Oh, I mean, it would be up there with, you know, discovery of the polymerase chain reaction for, um, for DNA, which basically resulted in um, the discoverer winning the Nobel Prize and, and stuff like that. It would be Nobel Prize worthy. <laughs> so, I, you know, I think he knows how science works. You know, he he does. He is a trained scientist. He came up through the University of Tennessee, which is a very good institution. And he knows how science works. So, you know, I, I would love to see him publish his research and have other people try it. And, you know, and if this if this invention that he's made is really legit, then get it out there, put it in the hands of people who can use it and say, you know, and solve crimes. I think there's probably a difference between believing in something and presenting it as truth, and even though it might not be true, and and deceptively presenting something that you know is not true. You know, and I and I don't know what the answer to that is with our Pedbas. I you know he may fully believe in what he's doing, and I actually that's something that didn't appear in the article. But I told him I hope he's right. I hope he has figured out how to find people using a special invention. That would be amazing. But he needs to he needs to show us all that he can really do that. Okay, so that was part three of the grave detector. You know, this is around the time where I say, next time I'm pretend we're gonna talk about this and that. But actually, I'm not sure because there is a very important date coming up. February 27th is when Tanya and Rick Fernandez are scheduled to go to trial. Now, a lot could happen between now and then. They could take a deal, like we've talked about. They could take a deal up to the day before, right? So if this thing goes to trial, we are switching on to full stalker mode, right? But if it doesn't, I have other episodes that are equally as fascinating. Some pretty great episodes lined up for you. So we're going to play this one by ear. So make sure to follow me on social media because that is where you're going to get real-time information. My handle is at PretendPod on Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, I think Facebook. I'm not sure. But just follow me on social media. I have a link in the show notes. And also, if you want to see the quantum oscillator, like I said, I have a picture of it. So go ahead and check that out. That link is in the show notes. Thank you, everyone. This episode was written by me, Javier Leva, and it was edited by Punith Shanoi with the podcast pundits. All right, we'll talk soon. See ya.
creative babble.